Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. 
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Junior Show on Blog Talk Radio. There may be some breaking and some uh, uh, crumbling <laughs> at the beginning of the show. I apologize for that. Uh, we are having uh, some te- technical difficulties, if I can say it. But anyway, welcome to the George Wilder Junior Show. We may have to get through this the best way we can. <laughs> welcome to the George Wilder Junior Show. It's always a pleasure, and I'm always uh, appreciative of your time. Because your time is your time. But anyways, welcome to the show, folks. The George Wilder Jr. Show is finally on the air. But there is some news tonight. Uh, At least 79 people reported dead after a 7.1 earthquake near uh, Mexico City. Buildings are crumbling and the ground is uh, caving in on on folks and people are dying. I mean, this is another one of those natural disasters. I mean, um, you you, you really can't, you you can't stop talking about one disaster before there is another disaster that's the bigger disaster than the one before. And it's, it's just terrible the way these things, these natural disasters around the world are happening. And you feel for the United States. I mean, uh, especially when some of these disasters happen, because some people are still cleaning up after Irma, and they're still cleaning up, and that's going to take a lot of months, maybe years, and suddenly there's another uh, hurricane they're calling Korea, uh, Category 5, I believe, and devastating winds and stuff like that. And uh, it's just crazy that these uh, things keep happening. And a lot of people are saying, hey, climate climate, uh, change, global warming, a lot of people are bringing that up. But I don't think the Republicans, the conservatives, I don't think they want to hear that because to to them it's malarkey. But you can't turn what's going on around the world. People are dying some of these natural disasters and they keep happening they keep happening this is the second time mexico has been hit in less than a week or 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 a week or so uh this is the second time they've been hit with an earthquake we've got uh maria coming on shore uh i'm hearing that it's about the it is pounding or it will pound puerto rico a division of the united states it's just you know, things are just going from bad to worse, from worse to worse. It seems when it, in terms of these natural disasters, you know, so uh, there was a couple, there's a couple more out there somewhere. They're not as strong as uh, Maria, but they could become stronger as they make their path in the Atlantic Ocean out there, you know, so, and people along the coast you know, they're, I mean, they're uh, bracing for this thing one more time. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to pack up and move. I mean, you even got some people living in the Caribbean who are trying to stick this thing out. I mean, you, yeah. And I've always felt that the Caribbean always been a beautiful place. Uh, lots of islands and stuff. Bermuda, Jamaica, Trinidad, you name it, St. Martin. Uh, all these islands, beautiful islands, vacation spots for Ameri- for Americans. The, uh, 
Yeah, and the Florida Keys, vacation spots for Americans all around the United States. But now, <laughs> do you really want to go to the Florida Keys? Do you really want to travel to the Virgin Islands, the Caribbean, uh, because of these natural disasters that seem to be popping up out of nowhere? And you know it has something to do with man-made uh, chemicals that is that is constantly going into the air and into the ground. This is serious. So this this is real. And there's so many people who are seeing and witnessing the devastation, and they're still denying science. They're still denying it. I guess a lot of people are going to be denying science, uh, even in their graves. You know, I mean, people are just steadfast on what they believe and what they do not believe. It's it's crazy, you know, and but this is the kind of world, the kind of climate that we're living in. And it's just crazy. This the things that are going on in the world that actually we can control. I think we can control this, but do we want to? Do we want to control these things, these natural disasters? Probably not. <laughs> so um that's a little bit of bad news for the George Wilder Jr. show is that the, uh, there's another hurricane in and around the Atlantic Ocean that's about to hit or is hitting uh, Puerto Rico and may even, I'm hearing it's going to miss Florida this time, but you never know. Things could change in a heartbeat on this stuff. So, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope no more people die. You know, because uh, from what I'm hearing of what's been thrown across my desk, at least 79 people reported dead after, you know, this this is uh, in Mexico. OK, this is Mexico City. The earthquake, you know, they just like uh, just got to be mentioning they have had this is the second one. Um, and uh, these na- natural disasters are, are really happening. What's going to happen when, when things actually hit the United States, like a tornado, hurricane or or. You know, it, it can happen. It can happen. These are man-made disasters. A lot of us feel that they're man-made. Okay. All right. Um, my guest on my, my guest today on the George Wilder Jr. Show is Ronnie W. Lambert. Okay. Commentary on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hate has no home here. Be nice to one another out there, out there, y'all. Be nice to one another. It is so crucial to be nice to one another, and it's so. It is so amazing, and it's so uh, 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 it is so amazing, and and it's so refreshing to see Americans helping Americans in a lot of these natural disasters that are going around the United States and even around the country, you know. And um, this this is uh, uh, really good to see and good to know that Americans are opening their hearts, opening their pocketbooks to try to help out people in uh, Texas. This this Harvey Harrington, and then there's they're opening their hearts out to the people in the Caribbean who have lost everything. It, it must be devastating. It has to be devastating when you lose everything. I mean, your house, your mementos, everything. You have to go. That has to traumatically play on a lot of people's minds. But I always say, keep your head up, be positive. You're strong. You're young. You're smart. You can always re-ask uh, your life over again strong and you just have to be uh driven and more ambitious than ever because you you have to tell yourself you're going to come out of this 
you know, you gotta, you can't sit back and cry and whine and, and feel sorry for yourself, get depressed because things aren't going so right in your life. You lost your house, you lost your family, your everything. Yeah, but make it fun. Make it fun, and, <laughs> and you know, you have all this, and you can. You can get all the support in the world. You have all the support in the world, family, friends, people across the world. You know, uh, just, I like to say to people, do not feel, never, ever feel depressed. It could, because all of these things, if you start feeling these things, you, you it's just going to make things a lot worse. And you're not going to be able to, to actually reveal that we know that you can rebuild. You know, so... It's a shame that these things that these things are happening and they're being talked about on the George Wilder Jr. show because this show is all about making the world a better place. It's getting tougher all the time, but we're still here. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be uh, 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 making the world a better place. I mean, this is where it happens. Where it happens at, folks. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show. I see we have. Uh, let's go here. All right, you're on the George Wilder Jr. show. Go right ahead. Yes, good afternoon, sir. How you doing? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for your call. Can I well, help thank you? Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, I was just uh I was catching uh, the last bit here that you what you were talking about and um correct me if I'm wrong, did I hear you say that the hurricanes are man made disasters? Yeah, I, I've said they were probably man made disasters because we send so much into the atmosphere. And we dump so much into the ground and and into the uh, lakes, waters, and all of this has may have an effect on what's going on today. Okay, so I mean, you do. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of this, but like the largest hurricanes in American history, a lot of them actually took place in like the 1800s. Like you know, when we talk about Category Four or Fives, when we're talking about massive. Yeah. So a lot of that that happened, you know, prior to the Industrial Revolution. You're breaking up. Your phone call is breaking up. I can't. Okay. How about now? Is it working better now? No, you're uh, breaking up. I think you're something is something okay. wrong on no. your end. Well, what, what I was trying to say is that when we talk about the changing climate and things, I mean, the Earth has had massive changes in climate for the last, you know, two to yeah. three hundred thousand years. We went from ice ages to really warm periods back to an ice age got warm again and this has all happened before human civilization so i don't understand why people now think all of a sudden human beings have that big of an impact because the carbon footprint we're talking about it's it's minuscule in comparison to the actual size of our atmosphere Oh, folks, I think we lost him. <laughs> I think we lost the caller. All right, something is not right here. So thank you for your call, and I appreciate your input. All righty, we lost the caller. Okay, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. We're going to take a, a short break here, folks, if we can get this together. Okay, we lost the callers. Uh, it was breaking up or something was going on. 
Uh, we will be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, folks. We are broadcasting live. Live, this is not a podcast. This is not a tape. This is live. All righty, out of the city of Chicago, the weather is just so gorgeous. It is beautiful. All right, John. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is it, is it better now or is it still breaking up? Uh, it's, it's a little bit better. It's better now. Right, no. So all I was saying was yeah, like the you. uh Okay. It's clear now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know what was wrong with my must have been wrong with my phone. Um no, I was just saying the whole climate change, you know, argument a lot I don't know if a lot of people are aware of this that the whole thing has been has changed significantly basically since the late sixties of today. If you go back to the sixties and seventies, uh-huh. the argument that it was global cooling, that's what they called it. Then when we got into the 80s and 90s, they changed it to global warming. And so now they, they, cha- they dropped both of those and they just adopted climate change to cover both ends. Because the temperature fluctuation on this planet has been up and down pretty dramatically over the over, not just now, but even before civilization. And so what, what I find interesting is that the people that argue for this politically, oftentimes they use it as a means of imposing carbon tax on private industry. Now, if you're talking yeah. about this just with the sense of caring for the environment, that's one thing. But you have to understand that many people are using this as a means of getting more tax money for the government. And like take the Paris Accords, for example, that everyone made a big deal about Trump getting out of. If you look at the Paris Accords, all that was doing was sucking money out of developed nations, primarily America, and just distributing it to other countries. While countries like China, who happens to be the number one producer of carbon is is not even they're not even penalized at all 
And so all of this stuff is just a giant money grab. And people have to be aware of these things and not allow these, you know, these issues that look like they're nice on the front. You have to understand the majority of these things have a nefarious agenda that's tied somehow to either getting money or taking money from certain people. And so I think people have to be, you know, be careful not to become naive to these things. It's really serious. Yeah, I, I I agree somewhat, but because nowadays, I mean, with this, with all with all of these with all of these natural disasters, uh, you can't tell spring from winter, winter from from fall, fall from summer. So you know something is there, whether it's made or or whatever. It's disgusting because people are dying. Right, but that's been happening for hundreds of years. It's like none of this is new. I mean, there have been hurricanes yeah, and earthquakes yeah. and tornadoes, disease, all kind of stuff that's been happening, you know, since the dawn of mankind. Do you think there is a real solution? No, not really. I mean, there's nothing you can do. Like, how can you stop a hurricane? Yeah. Or how can you stop an earthquake? How can you stop, you know, yeah. a tornado? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's just in itself. All we can do is be more prepared. Like in Japan, they made sure to build their buildings to be, you know, be able to handle earthquakes yeah. and, you know, shake. And yeah. certain places, they, yeah. they make sure to build things to handle tornadoes. And in Florida, for example, they try to build things to try to handle hurricane winds and stuff like that. Other than that, you know, we they just should... rebuild and we regroup. That's, that's, that's what mankind, that's what men have been doing since the beginning, yeah. you know. That's what we're... That's part of why why we were able to conquer yeah. the world. I mean, look around. I mean, we're not we're not like we were thousands of years ago when we used to be competing with other predators and other species, and we were subject to the yeah. elements. Now we've conquered all of those things. So that's what men do. Yeah. All right. Thank you for your call. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on. Block Talk Radio, WTTTY, and these natural disasters, they are nothing to play with. It's just uh, its just uh, uh, not good for, uh, for people to um, be dying and suffering from all of these natural disasters. And everything is just going from bad to worse, it seems like. This is Chicago's finest internet radio show. Making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad. My son has been um, arrested for walking while black. Um, so well, I get a, a, it. A lot of sons have been arrested. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it doesn't make me, you know, you can't buy your way out of this one. You can't educate your way out of it. Um, it's just it's, happening too much, or at least we know about it now. It's it's always happened. Um, we see more evidence of it. And too often people still are inclined to say, well, if he'd had a different attitude, well, if he hadn't been driving, well, if he hadn't been this, if he hadn't been that, almost as if the victim is partially to blame. You know, in the case of Garner, well, he shouldn't have resisted. In the case of Brown, well, where was he? In the case of Trayvon, well, he had a hood on, you know, and, and in the case of whoever, you know, in case of uh, Sandra Bland, you know, well, her attitude was better. It's like, no, stop. Stop. This has nothing to do with the victims. This has everything to do with the culture of demeaning a person of color. And, and there is no justification 
for a society where my son has a far greater chance of being stopped, held, killed than your son, simply because he's black. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, here is Ashley Judd on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Apologize for the bad language that she's about to use. Ashley Judd, stupid fucking slut. You can't sue someone for calling them a cunt. If you can't handle the internet, fuck off, whore. I wish Ashley Judd would die a horrible death. She is the absolute worst. Ashley Judd, you're the reason women shouldn't vote. Twisted is such a bad movie, I don't even want to rape it. Whatever you do, don't tell Ashley Judd she'll die alone with a dried out vagina. If I had to fuck an older woman, oh my God, I would fuck the shit out of Ashley Judd. That bitch is hot AF. The unforgivable shit I would do to her. Online misogyny is a global gender rights tragedy, and it is imperative that it ends. <laughs> Girls and women's voices and our allies' voices are constrained in ways that are personally, economically, professionally, and politically damaged. And when we curb abuse, we will expand freedom. I am a Kentucky basketball fan, so on a fine March day last year, I was doing one of the things I do best. I was cheering for my Wildcats. The daffodils were blooming, but the referees were not blowing the whistle when I was telling them to. <laughs> Funny, they're very friendly to me before the opening tip, but they really ignore me during the game. Three of my players were bleeding, so I did the next best thing. I tweeted. It is routine for me to be treated in the ways I've already described to you. It happens to me every single day on social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook. Since I joined Twitter in 2011, misogyny and misogynists have amply demonstrated they will dog my every step. My spirituality, my faith, being a hillbilly, I can say that, you can't, all of it is fair game. And I have responded to this with various strategies. I've tried engaging people. This one guy was sending me hyper-sexual, nasty stuff, and there was a girl in his avatar, and I wrote him back and said, is that your daughter? I feel a lot of fear that you may think about and talk to women this way, and he surprised me by saying, you know what, you're right, I apologize. Sometimes people want to be held accountable. This one guy was musing to I don't know who, that maybe I was the definition of a cunt, I was married to a Scot for 14 years, so I said, cunt means many different things in different countries. But I'm pretty sure you epitomize the global standard of a dick. <laughs> I
I've tried to rise above it, I've tried to get in the trenches, but mostly I would scroll through these social media platforms with one eye partially closed, trying not to see it, but you can't make a cucumber out of a pickle. What is seen goes in, it's traumatic. And I was always secretly hoping in some part of me that what was being said to me and about me wasn't true. Because even I, an avowed, self-declared feminist who worships at the altar of Gloria, <laughs> internalized the patriarchy. This is really critical. Patriarchy is not boys and men. It is a system in which we all participate, including me. On that particular day, for some reason, that particular tweet after the basketball game triggered something called a cyber mob. This vitriolic, global outpouring of the most heinous hate speech, death threats, rape threats. And don't you know, when I was sitting at home alone in my nightgown, I got a phone call, and it was my beloved former husband, and he said on a voicemail, loved one, what is happening to you is not okay. And there was something about him taking a stand for me that night that allowed me to take a stand for myself, and I started to write. I started to write about sharing the fact that I'm a survivor of all forms of sexual abuse, including three rapes, and the hate speech I get in response to that. These are just some of the comments posted to news outlets. Being told I'm a snitch is really fun. Thank you, Jesus. May your grace and mercy shine. So I wrote this feminist op-ed. It is entitled... All right, the George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm all over the place. Google, I mean, if you put my name up there, you should be easily able to find me. Okay. You're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Uh, hi, George. This is Ronnie Lambrecht. And hey, hey, what's up? How's, how's it going? <laughs> Good, how are you? Thank you for uh, doing the show. Absolutely. Sounds very interesting. I'm fine. I'm great. Uh, <laughs> we were anticipating you being being on the show, and, and thank you so much. And you, you are a, let's see what we have here. You are, you're going to be talking about parenting? Yes, yes, sir. All right, give my audience a little bit of your bio and tell us uh, how we should be better parents. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> well, my name is Ronnie Lambrecht, and um, try and make it a short story. We lost our son yeah. um, three years oh. and eight months ago, and um, we, since then, we've just try been trying to use it as a lesson in our lives and a lesson for other parents and. And we've really started focusing on really just kind of watching other parents and how they how they communicate with their kids and, and how their kids communicate with them. And we started thinking about all the things that we have regrets with, with our own child and um, and how we could have done, how we could have done a better job, the things we did right and the things that we could have done better. So 
anyway, um, so when we lost Salton, we just decided we would try and turn it around and make it as positive a thing as we possibly could. And so I wrote a couple of books. Um, one is called Parenting at Your Best. Powerful Reflections and Straightforward Tips for Becoming a Mindful Parent. And then my companion book to that is A Parent's Guide for Journaling to Their Child, Simple Strategies for Writing Heartfelt Love Letters to Your Child. So that's about me. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, anybody, most people will tell you it's very, very being a parent. It is not easy. I mean, I'm a parent, you're a parent, there's, it's not easy when you want your child to grow up to be a product, a productive part of society. It is hard being a parent, and it is a full-time job, especially with some children, because I, I think most kids are, are uh, I mean, when you send your kid out, to the, out into the world, whether it's to school, grammar school, high school, college, Basically, that child is representing you, you know, as a parent, because uh, it's it's you it's you as a parent to instill into your child to make them to get them to be a better um, uh, to be better at uh, being a productive person out in out into the world. It's very hard being a parent. Absolutely, I totally agree with you, and I think so many of us go into it. Um, thinking about the white picket fence and this is what is expected of me and all that kind of stuff before we really even even really think about do we really want to be a parent and do we really understand that it is a 24-hour-a-day job and, and how is. much work it, it truly Yeah. It is a lot so of work. I, think I, used to, I used to, you know, I parent, parenting my kids, I used to look around and, and, and try to find somebody who was going to pay me to parent my own kids because I deserve a check to be paid. <laughs> it is a tough job. It is. And uh, <laughs> it, it is a tough job parenting. And um, go right ahead. Go, go right ahead. Oh, no worries. So, so I think one of our, one of our biggest lessons that we've learned since we lost our son Dalton is, um, is trying to take everyday moments, you know, all the the homework and the doing the dishes and the doing the laundry and all of the chores that we have on a typical basis at home and learning how to yeah. make those make those into memories versus the waiting for, oh well you know what, if we if we all push together maybe we can go to Disney World next year and we can all work toward that. Yeah. Um yeah. You know, and, and while those are great memories, I think that we we focus too much on the big memories, and we focus too little mm. on the everyday things. So I think most people are focusing on the big holidays and the big birthdays and all that kind of thing. When in all reality, we should be focusing on everyday things. So when I'm doing the dishes um, or when I'm making dinner, can I also be dancing in the kitchen with my kids and making it a fun event? Uh, can can I also be teaching them how to cook something and making it really fun at the same time. Even though I'm totally exhausted, um, if I can try and make it fun for them and for me, and that becomes a great memory, and it also makes it so that it's not as much work. Um, so, and I, and I think there's... Ronnie, do you I mean, remember, 
I was going to say Ronnie W. Lambert on the George Wilder Jr. show. How do you keep a child, your kids, from actually taking advantage of a parent who may be a little bit too nice? There's a lot of kids out there who will try to take advantage of a parent if they feel that the parent is, you know, weak or, or, or in, in some ways insensitive. Because I've seen too many kids take advantage of their parents by letting the parents do all of the work while the kids laying around lazily on the couch as the parent is washing clothes, washing the dishes, taking care of the house, paying all the bills. What do you say to a lazy uh, <laughs> parent of a lazy child? You know, in all honesty, I would say that probably the parent of a lazy child is also, and this sounds terrible, but they're probably also being a lazy parent in that hmm. they don't want to fight and, and, and they don't want deal with it after working all day and that kind of a thing. And so instead of dealing with, with the argument of, well, you should be helping me with the laundry or you should be helping me with yeah. the dishes or you should be cleaning your bathroom, instead they just go do it themselves instead of allowing the kid to have to live with whatever the consequences are. So, so be yeah. it that yeah. they forgot their, you know, their homework or they you know, didn't clean their bathroom or that kind of a thing, you know, every now and then you're going to just have to live with the dirty bathroom until the kid gets so sick of it that they decide they're going to do something about it. No, um, I'm not going to live with a dirty it, bathroom. If my kid messes up, <laughs> if my kid screw up the bathroom, he's going to clean it up. If you're not going to live with that, uh, George, then they know that they know you're not going to live with that. And they know that, well, you know what, if I push him far enough, then he's going to just go ahead and clean it himself. So why would I bother cleaning it? Well, he, <laughs> you know, I mean, like I said, parenting is hard. And, you know, when you have kids, you're learning something every day when you're parenting. You learn how, how <laughs> to parent them. You can't parent every child the same way. You have to find out what they are about and then try to uh, parent each child separately, you know, on the merits of the type of person that they are, I believe. I totally agree with you. In fact, I would tell you that it, if you have one kid or you have 19 kids, you're a mm -hmm. first time parent every single time. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. every child is different and every child has different requirements. But I also believe that there, in most cases, most of our kids do want to be cared about and loved and given attention yeah. to. And I do yeah. find in a lot of cases that, that they're, they're not being given the attention that they need because mom or dad is too busy working or they're too busy doing all of these other things and, and they're not focusing on their kids. But again, if you try and take at least the stuff at home and try and take it and, and make it a community event where everybody's working together, that really does make a difference. And I've seen it in, in, in many homes of many parents that I've worked with that, that um, they thought that, well, I have to clean the bathroom all the time and I have to do the laundry all the time. And I'll tell you, with our son Dalton, since age four, he was sorting his own clothes. He was emptying trash cans. Um, he knew the value of being able to live in, in our house. And, and he knew yeah. the value of, of, of how important it was and how, how important our time was and that if we had to be doing all those things, then that was time taken away from him. So if we all work together, 
then we could have more time together doing fun things like playing games or going to great places or uh, reading a book together, you know, that kind of a thing. So there's there's always uh, a different way of looking at things. You said that there, uh, that Dalton, if that's the name of your son, uh, he's, he's not with you anymore. He passed on. Yes. Yeah. We lost him three years and eight months ago. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I'm still, I I have a feeling that you still feel traumatic from that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. PTSD um, is definitely in our everyday lives, the anxiety and, and the grief and the craziness. And we, um, we definitely are very, very busy. We try and stay very busy so that, um, which is probably not the best way to handle it, but, um, but staying Ronnie, busy I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry for your loss. What do you have to say? Is it good to, to uh, spoil a child? Is that some parents do that? Is that good? Well, I think it, again, I think every kid is different, and and um, and it depends on the child. Uh, I can tell you that our son, in many many ways, he was spoiled. He was spoiled uh-huh. with love. Mm-hmm. He was spoiled with our time, um, and and you know sometimes on his birthday he was really spoiled with gifts or getting to have a big party or that kind of a thing. But mm-hmm. he also knew how important it was to to work for those things and, and how much we had to give up to be able to give him the time and the energy and the gifts when they came about. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you because um, because my son, I mean, he is even from the time that he was 16 and on, 15 and on, uh, anything that he received from me, he would have to earn it some kind of way. I was not just going to give him something for doing nothing. He would have to earn it. I think that, I think doing that will teach him. Yeah, yeah. I I made him earn everything. I mean, he wanted it because if, you know, I I wasn't going to let him take advantage of me. I want this. I want that. I want this. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think too many times yeah, I think too many times these days these kids get cell phones at a really young age and mm-hmm. then mom and dad are paying for the cell phone. I don't know why that would be. Um, the kids need to be working to pay for a cell phone. They need to be working to pay to go to the movies or go to the mall or whatever they do with their friends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They need to be paying. Yeah. They, they, if we don't teach them that now while they're young, how are we going to expect them to go live on their own, to get their own apartment or buy their own house or yeah. pay their own electric yeah. bill if we don't teach them how to do it now while they're young and while their mistakes are still still relatively cheap um, to make, yeah. whereas if they turn 18 and then they start missing payments on a, on a cell phone or you know, not making payments on whatever apartment they got or that kind of a thing. And it can affect their credit, which then affects their whole rest of their life. So we have to teach them now while they're young to be responsible adults, really. And we have to give them the the courtesy of that. Yeah. I was going to say, I've been talking to my son ever since he was uh, 10, 10, years old and he's 18 now about responsibility. I mean, you know, because, you know, I don't want him to get out here and fall on his face. 
I want him to be successful. But uh, sometimes he listens. Sometimes he doesn't listen. <laughs> sometimes I don't know Absolutely. if he's listening or not. <laughs> huh? Absolutely. And, you know, and one of the things yeah. we have to also realize, parents, is that as long as we've given them the tools to do their best, you know, when yeah. they turn 18, when they go off to college or go off to a job or whatever they do, if we've given them the tools to do their best and they take those tools and they don't use them, you know what? Then it's not on you anymore. It's on them because you've given them the tools, you've taught them how to use them, and if they choose not to, then that's on them. And we as parents have to step back and let them fail every now and then so that so that they can learn what failure looks like. If we are consistently coddling them and not allowing them to fail, then they're going to be failures in society their entire lives and expect the whole world to pick up and take care of them. I totally agree. I totally agree. Ronnie, let's talk about your books. Okay. You got it. What would you like to know? The <laughs> the title and uh, uh Specifically, what is your latest book about? Okay. So uh, my first book is called Parenting at Your Best, Powerful Reflections uh -huh. and Straightforward for Becoming a Mindful Parent. And each chapter just focuses on a story about us with our son. And mainly I do the stories because I think stories stick with people longer than just a bunch of data. So I do a story, and then in the last half of the chapter, I explain some straightforward tips that help them deal with certain situations. And um, and I'm, I'm getting really good reviews on it, so, um, so that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's my well, first one, and it's a, it's simple things like like writing to your kids and and um, yeah. teaching them about the value of time and um, and scheduling you know, scheduling life and how we talk to them, you know, talking to them in a positive voice. Um, as an example, instead of saying, don't forget, saying, please remember, um, yeah. you know, just kind of flipping things around to a little bit more positive stance. Yeah. And I think, well, I think another way to get a child to do what they're supposed to be doing, uh, uh, in a world that's changing every day, in a world full of technology and, and innovation. And I think one of the greatest things that you can give a child and they will respond back in a positive way is love. You give a, if you let a child know that you love them, that you care for them, that you're trying to do your best so they can succeed. And, you know, and I think that they will respond in a positive way and they wouldn't they will not let you down. But if you give if a child sees that you're not giving the best to them that you can, that child may rebel. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's totally true. Mhm. Mm yep, definitely. All right, Ron. Okay, yeah. you want to expand on that? Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you want to expand on it? You want to you want to say something uh, to that what I just got through saying? Well, yeah, I just um I think another big part of parenting is allowing um allowing our children to be involved in our lives, meaning that um if we if we sit down with them at night and we ask them what their highs and lows are for the day, 
um, teaching them how to turn around and ask us the same question so that we're, yeah. we're teaching them manners at the same time. And then, and then the other side of that, or, or in addition to that, would be allowing them to be a part of our monthly budgeting and our monthly grocery shopping and our, our if we're searching for a new home, a new place to live, allowing them to be part of that so that they can realize, um, say if you're budgeting and, and uh, I don't know what rents are there in Chicago, but say here in, in Colorado, you're looking high. at a probably, yeah, a minimum rent here would probably be $1,500 for a one-bedroom apartment. So um, say $2,000 a month you're, you're going to go spend on an apartment to rent an apartment or a mortgage for a house. But being able to show your child that, well, this is how much this costs and what this means, what $2,000 means is that I have to spend however many hours, you know, if you divide it up your salary into how many hours, you know, it takes to make $2,000 and you explain that, well, for us to live in this house, it takes whatever, 45 hours of me being away from you and being at work to make yeah. this house payment. And I think that's really important for kids to understand that money also equals time um, and, and, and teaching them to budget both of those things. So if they realize that, wow, mom has to work, you know, 60 hours just to make the rent for this month, then maybe they would be willing to do a little bit more at home um, to take off two hours of mom's work time at home so that she can have that two hours to spend with them. So while mom's working, maybe I should spend that two hours vacuuming the house and taking care of the dishes and cleaning the bathroom so that when mom gets home, we can spend time together and we can play a game and we can talk about our day and we can enjoy our dinner together versus oh, uh, <laughs> always just expecting money just arrived somewhere on a money tree. That sounds great. If if that was only true with everybody, with every child, that's not, yeah. that, that, that is not going to happen with every child. Uh, they're going to oh, want their hands crazy. out, you know. All right, Ron, yes. Ronnie, uh, can you tell us where we can find your book and give us a website if we want to contact you further for more information? Absolutely. My website is Parenting at Your Best withoutregret.com And where can we find your book? Um, it is on that website and it's also on Amazon. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. Ronnie W. Lambert, I want to thank you for being on the show. You were great. I mean, you gave out a lot of uh, important information and I hope everybody out there who are parents, you know, uh, understand that and uh, go out and get your book. All right. Thanks for Absolutely. being on the show. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio, folks. It is, I believe, around 63 degrees in the city of Chicago. I hope it's nice where you are. Um, uh, and I feel so bad about those folks that uh, have lost everything in some of these uh, natural disasters that seem to be cropping up and happening all over the uh, United States and elsewhere. So this is Carla Harris. Mr. President. Senator from California. Senator Carp, what's interesting, you talked about Tanzania. Um, it reminds me of a, a greeting 
that I've um, often heard from people who live in various African countries. You've probably heard it. But when you meet someone for the first time, instead of what we would normally say, pleased to meet you, the greeting... Donald Trump and his lawyers aren't just looking to interfere with the investigation into the last election. They're not just looking to disrupt it. They might go a step farther than that. The Washington Post reports that Trump has, quote, asked his advisors about his power to pardon aides, family members, and even himself in connection with the probe, according to someone familiar with the. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard, fighting non-violently. Hey there, friends and fans. This is George Wilder Jr. of the George Wilder Jr. Show. (laughs) I want you to enjoy my fictional writings located on Amazon and elsewhere. Uh, The website is www.amazon.com slash author slash gwilder or go to the Amazon website and type my name in the text bar above to either order or download a book, a story, essays, novels, novelettes, whatever you want to do. And I want to thank you very much for that. And as always, good reading. This is George Wilder Jr. And keep listening. There's always more to come. All right. Thank you, everybody. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. I appeal to the intelligence agencies and the governments of what is left of the free world, to them as entities, entireties, as bureaucracies making official decisions, and to the individuals who make decisions of conscience, to GCHQ and MI6 in the UK, to the BND in Germany, the DGSE in France, the ASIS in Australia, and even to the GRU in Russia, where they must already be profoundly aware that they have not merely helped put an amoral cynic in power here, but an uncontrollable one, whose madness is genuine and whose usefulness, even to them, is at an end. To all of them and to the world's journalists, I make this plea. We, the citizens of the United States of America, are the victims of a coup. We need your leaks, your information, your intelligence, your recordings, your videos, your conscience. The civilian government and the military of the United States are no longer in the hands of the people, nor in the control of any responsible individuals on whom you can rely. The first step towards compromising our FBI occurred Tuesday with the unilateral firing of its director by the president, 
prompted by the Attorney General, both of whom are or were at least in theory possibly to be under investigation by the FBI as led by that director they fired. Our CIA is run by one of that president's political appointees. The first national security advisor was fired and may have been a Russian stooge. The second national security advisor has reportedly been yelled at by the president because he had had the temerity to disagree with him. Our State Department is in the hands of useless amateurs. Our United Nations mission is bereft of power and uninformed. And the White House is run by a cabal of an amoral family syndicate that has spent its first three months slapping a dollar sign family on anything syndicate. that stood still long. You got that a right. It is a syndicate. its head, a man with seemingly no interest in our laws, in our rights, in our constitution, and with a brain that appears to not work properly. <laughs> Through our own negligence, the resentments and stupidities of millions of us, and the boundless greed of our elite class, our democracy has all but slipped away from us. It hangs today by a thread, and those who could protect it and restore it and fight for it, even at this late date, the Republican politicians whose voices today could force Trump out of office tomorrow, they are almost silent, owned by special interests, and silenced by a power that exceeds even whatever dedication to freedom they once had. All but a few of them fall back into platitudes about the leader of the country firing the head of the FBI and precipitating a constitutional crisis in order to shut down the investigation of his possible high crimes and misdemeanors. Our majority party impotently wrings its hands about timing and how troubled they are, and then they go back to calculating how they will most easily get reelected, with whose money, by whose instructions. We, the citizens of the United States of America, are victims of a coup. For months, we have heard that your organizations have damning evidence against Donald John Trump. Whatever evidence you may have, you cannot conceal it any longer. Whatever we in this country are to you now, wherever you are now, you know that this nation has been a savior to you at some point in the past, and that our stability and our freedom and a government controlling this country that is at least sane is your surest guarantee of a prosperous future. Indeed, perhaps your surest guarantee of any future at all. Now we need your help. Whatever there is on Trump, reveal it. Issue it officially if you can, leak it if you cannot. If your directors and your governments want you to wait, look to the last days here and ask yourselves, plumb your consciences, if there is any time left to wait. Give it to a reporter. Give it to an American friend, put it on the internet, leave it outside somebody's back door. There is no time left for protocols and estimations of long-term impacts and tradecraft. A dictator in training has betrayed our Constitution and nevertheless survived two nights in office. The dictatorship he may want, the dictatorship he may feel is the natural extension of his past life, the dictatorship he may believe he has earned has gone in this week from calling... <laughs> to taking its first few tentative steps. What you have, we need, and we need it now. And to the intelligence community of this country, your patriotic duty is clear. In many respects, in the months since the election, you have... All right. Trump is now giving news to everybody. He's calling Mobile Little Marco, Lion Ted, Crooked Hillary. These are all names. Rocket Man. <laughs> He's... He's calling Jim Kim Jong Un, 
uh, this the leader of North Korea because he's always shooting off, launching missiles. So Trump's giving him the name uh, Rocket Man. <laughs> Rocket Man. Those are missiles. They're not rockets, <laughs> Donald Trump. Okay, someone is asking, what would Trump nickname you? I mean, he's got Little Marco, Lion Ted, Crooked Hillary, and now Rocket Man. This guy, he's always calling people's people names. That's what it's all about with Donald Trump, calling people names. And that's <laughs> and this he, he gave a speech today. At, he was on the national stage today. He gave a speech. I didn't listen to it. I wasn't going to listen to it because he, the speech is totally written by someone else. Someone else wrote it or he's reading off a teleprompter or it's not truly Trump. But from the excerpts from the um, from his speech, he was saying something like he's going to annihilate, wipe North Korea off the map. I, I'm, you know what? I might be in agreement with that because these people are just rubbing it. Uh, Kim Jong Un, he's just rocket man, as as Trump is called. Uh, he's just, I mean, he's just blatant uh, uh, launching these missiles. Um, threatening the United States, threatening Japan. I mean, yeah, uh, I totally agree. I, I, America is a hell of a lot bigger than North Korea. North Korea is a little country. You know, I mean, why why are they antagonizing the United States? That's crazy. This man is nuts. And, and the other day, Kim Jong-un saying that the sanctions of America and other countries, it's not hurting them. And they're going to still launch missiles. As I've said the other day, I, this guy acts as if he has that, that these missiles that he's launching almost every day are toys. These are his toys. He's, he's playing with these toys, threatening America and continuing to threaten America. I, I agree with the ambassador. Uh, she said that this guy is, I don't too much agree with Republicans, but the, she said, plainly he wants war he is instigating war he doesn't want uh he doesn't want diplomacy he doesn't want to talk he wasn't don't doesn't want to negotiate he wants to play with his toys he wants to launch missiles i'm hearing that kim jong un whatever the hell his name is uh is he has excuse me he has a hydrogen bomb and he is, this guy is launching missiles after missile after missile after missile, threatening the United States. Every time he launches a missile, he threatens the United States. He, I mean, his previous missile launch, I think he launched it over or close or near Japan, and they were pissed off. This guy is begging to be wiped off the earth. Even with Donald Trump in office, of the presidency, even with Donald Trump as president, we still have allies. And a lot of those allies disagree and disapprove what North Korea is doing. They would be on the side of the United States, reluctantly probably, holding a nose probably because of Trump, but they still would be on the side of the United States because there's no doubt about it, North Korea is provoking the United States to 
wiped them off the center of the earth. The guy is nuts. Kim Jong-un, he is nuts. He's crazy. You know, I mean, the sanctions doesn't do anything. Give me a break. I think the sanctions are doing a, a hell of a lot. Of course, he's not going to um, say that they're hurting his country because he don't want you to think that. You know, but they are. They're hurting the people. Obviously, this asshole doesn't care anything about people. He cares about playing with his nuclear weapons. That's threatening the United States and threatening other parts of the world. So by Trump saying that, you know, this guy should be wiped off the face of the earth, I've said it. I've said the same thing about, um, and I don't, and I do not support Trump, but I said the same thing a few days ago on the show that North Korea should be wiped off the face of the map because they are just trying to bully the United States and bully the rest of the world with these nuclear weapons. But think about this, folks. While we're focusing on nuclear weapons being launched every other week or so in North Korea, we're taking our eye off of Iran. Iran. We better start focusing on Iran because they too have nuclear weapons. And at one time they were launching them also. So while we're focusing on North Korea and their nuclear weapons, Iran and their nuclear capability is getting stronger. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want to thank my guest, Ronnie. W. Lambrett on the George Wilder Jr. show, and she was talking parenting, something I do think people are uh, uh, interested in, especially parents. Parents, um, I wanted to ask, actually, I wanted to say, do you think a lot of parents who are becoming parents or who are just, uh, who are, are pregnant, and becoming parents or parents who have just had children should or or shouldn't they you know enroll in parenting classes you know it's it's up to the parent you know uh, because uh, a lot of these kids out here there's no doubt about it a lot of these children out here uh who are bad kids getting in a lot of trouble it, totally bad parenting that's no doubt about it a lot of parents don't know what the hell they're doing and I hope they get this book or, 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 or some books, you know, uh, saying, you know, what parenting, telling them what parenting is all about. Because we got too many bad guys. We got too many bad guys out here, uh, young guys, you know, uh, out here doing a lot of bad things, coming from broken homes because maybe mom or daddy is on drugs. Mom's a prostitute. Daddy's a pimp. You know, and the child is just left to run, wreak havoc, you know. So there, there is, um, uh, you're wondering if, if people shouldn't go to parenting classes. Maybe they don't want to go to parenting pra- classes. A lot, of parent, a lot of parents get upset if you say, well, you should take a parenting class. They'll get pissed off because they feel that they don't need a parenting class. But if you got kids out here who are just, wayward and just wondering getting in trouble and um, if you have an underage kid out here getting in trouble uh, 
uh, it's going to go right back. It's going to go right back to the parent because the kid is still a kid and you're still a parent. You're going to be charged probably as being a, a negligent parent. So it's good to be a good parent. I mean, it's good to be a good parent. I'm not saying being a good parent doesn't mean you have to beat your children or, or insult your children or scream and yell at your children or curse at your children. A lot of parents do that. And then throw your <laughs> throw your child out of the house, throw your kid out of the house. And um, that's not a good way. That's That's not a good way. I mean, you want great children, you have to Respect them, show them love, show them that you care, and you'll get the most. I re- I wrote a book not too long ago called "They Are Our Children." It, it's 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 a hard hitting book. Even when I go back and read it now, it's very hard hitting, but uh, it's basically talking about parenting and uh, and public schools and all that kind of thing and. I just hope people go and download it and try to get get some advice that I'm giving in this particular book. It's called They Are Our Children, and it's available on Amazon in Kindle, in Kindle. Maybe later on next year, it'll be in paperback, and you can always order it online. It's called They Are Our Children. It's a, it, I've got a couple of... Uh, pretty nice reviews for the book. So it's 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 a couple of uh reviews that are very very nice. And um majority of all the reviews are nice. And um it's called They Are Our Children. It's also a parenting book. It's a, it's a parenting book like no other book. And <laughs> if you read it, you uh you would understand it. I've had a few people read it and they were very upset at some of the things I was saying. But they cannot deny that majority of the things that is in the book, it's true. It's true. You know, it talks about bullying and crime. You know, it, it talks virtually about bad parenting, starting off from the very first page. So if the very, face, if the very first page of this book doesn't get you, <laughs> I don't know what then. I, I really can't know what. It's called They are our children and i recently had a download of the book so someone uh someone gave it another uh five-star review and uh, i'm proud of it it's about two or three years old but it stands up today believe me and it's a powerful book uh everybody's probably not everybody is probably not gonna love it but you're gonna the majority of the people do and uh, it's called they are they are our children all right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is seven, 10 minutes after 7 p.m. Central Standard Time in the city of Chicago. It's been fun. I love working on this show. I love doing this show. It is always such a great fun. And I, I've said this before. I also learn things on the show. I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, you know, some people probably would say. I am not. Uh, but I love to learn. I love to learn new things. I love to learn things that I thought I knew. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure you too. You do too. Okay. If you want a hug, I will be your pillow. If you need to be happy, I will be your smile. But anytime you need a friend, 
I will be just me. Hate has no home here. It never will. It never will. And it never will. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. It is all about making the world a better place. Join me. President. Senator from California. Senator Carp, what's interesting, you talked about Tanzania. 
Um, it reminds me of a, a greeting that I've um, often heard from people who live in various African countries. You've probably heard it. But when you meet someone for the first time, instead of what we would normally say, pleased to meet you, the greeting back is, I see you. I see you. And I think that really is part of our concern here. Do we see the people who will be impacted in the way that they are actually living their lives? Political commentator Anna Navarro and Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union. Matt, what do you do about this? Nobody likes to see these types of numbers, Chris, but I think it's important we're at a point in politics. Ferguson to discuss this. And Errol, first to you, I want to talk about the president's reaction to Ken Frazier. Ken Frazier quit. And we're back now with the round table, and I have a feeling you guys are going to have a little different comments than Tom Bossert had about that GIF. Let's, let's look at it again. This happened just as we were ending our other round table. All right. Next on the to-do list. When we take over the DNC. <laughs> oh Michael. Ashley. My name is Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd is here. I am a feminist. And I want to say hello to Independence Avenue in the back. All the way down to 17th Street. Wow. And I bring you words from Nina Donovan, a 19-year-old in Middle Tennessee, and she has given me the privilege of telling you what she has to say. I... I'm a nasty woman. I'm not as nasty as a man who looks like he bathes in Cheeto dust. A man whose words are a diss track to America. Electoral college sanctioned hate speech contaminating this national anthem. I'm not as nasty as Confederate flags being tattooed across my city. Maybe the South actually is gonna rise again. Maybe for some it never really fell. Blacks are still in shackles and graves just for being black. Slavery has been reinterpreted as the prison system in front of people who see melanin as animal skin. I am not as nasty as a swastika painted on a pride flag. And I didn't know devils could be resurrected, but I feel Hitler in these streets. A mustache traded for a toupee. Nazis renamed the cabinet electroconversion therapy, the new gas chamber, shaming the gay out of America, turning rainbows into suicide. Notes, I am not as nasty as racism, fraud, conflict of interest, homophobia, sexual assault, transphobia, white supremacy, misogyny, ignorance, white privilege. I'm not as nasty as using little girls like Pokemon before their bodies have even developed. I am not as nasty as your own daughter being your favorite sex symbol. 
like your wet dreams infused with your own genes, but yeah, I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. I'm not nasty like the combo of Trump and Pence being served up to me in my voting booth. I'm nasty like the battles my grandmothers fought to get me into that voting booth. I'm nasty like the fight for wage equality. Scarlett Johansson, why were the female actors paid less than half of what the male actors earned last year? See, even when we do go into higher paying jobs, our wages are still cut with blades sharpened by testosterone. Why? is the work of a black woman and a Hispanic woman worth only 63 and 54 cents of a white man's privileged daughter. This is not a feminist myth. This is inequality. So we are not here to be debunked. We are here to be respected. We are here to be nasty. I'm nasty. Like my blood stains on my bed sheets, we don't actually choose if and when to have our periods. Believe me, if we could, some of us would. We don't like throwing away our favorite pairs of underpants. Tell me, why are pads and Tampax still taxed? Ooh, that was a brand name. Why are tampons and pads still taxed when Viagra and Rogaine are not? Is your erection really more than protecting the sacred, messy part of my womanhood? Is the blood stain on my jeans more embarrassing than the thinning of your hair? I know it is hard to look at your own entitlement and privilege. You may be afraid of the truth. I am unafraid to be honest. It may sound petty, bringing up a few extra cents. It adds up to the pile of change I have yet to see in my country. I can't see. My eyes are too busy praying to my feet, hoping you don't mistake eye contact for wanting physical contact. Half my life, I have been zipping up my smile, hoping you don't think I want to unzip your jeans. I am unafraid to be nasty because I am nasty like Susan, Elizabeth, Eleanor, Amelia, Rosa, Gloria, Condoleezza, Sonia, Malala, Michelle, Hillary. And our pussies ain't for grabbing. Therefore, reminding you that our walls are stronger than America's ever will be. Our pussies are for our pleasure. They are for birthing new generations of filthy, vulgar, nasty, proud 
Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Sikh, you name it, for new generations of nasty women. So if you, a nasty woman, or you love one, who is, let me hear you say, hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Governor, GOP governors blast Mitch for Trump care sneak attack. The Republicans are eating their own, but yet they, I have a feeling, I just have this feeling that a lot of these, a lot of uh, Republicans are just dissatisfied with Donald Trump. I have a feeling they are dissatisfied with this guy. A lot of people don't like him. They don't trust him. They totally don't trust him. They don't like him. And, but the Republicans in Congress, they're not going to do anything about him. You know, they're going to try and pass um, their repeal of Obamacare once again. And I'm, I'm hearing this time that it may pass because those who voted against it on the GOP side may decide this time they will vote for it, which is abominable. Uh, 23 to 30,000 people going to be thrown off Medicaid. These people just don't give a damn. They don't care. Oh, and Obamacare, as I've said before, as I alluded to before, no matter how many times repealing of Obamacare fails, it's always going to be in the hands of the Republicans to try and try and try and try again because the Republicans, they control everything. They control the governorship around America. They control the Congress, both houses, the Senate and the House of Representatives. And they also have the White House. So by conclusion of all of that, if you add all of that up, Obamacare is in their hands. It's not in the hands of the Democrats. Democrats can't do anything. Uh, they have no power. They can just negotiate, yell, and scream, and hopefully um, somebody hears them. But uh, America is in the hands of the Republicans, and health care is in the hands of the Republicans. So, therefore, it's going to take – so, therefore, the Republicans, no matter how much 
they can't get this repeal through. They're going to keep on trying until they finally do. And that's the sad part about it. And if they keep on trying to uh, repeal it, they will. Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the strong. 